0: Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's message of the week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. But it is no grow and go, and there's a scripture that we have with it out of Daniel 11:32, and in the King James, Daniel 11:32 says this: "But the people that do know their God, but the people that do know their God, shall be strong and do exploits." And it's that the people who that do know their God—that's the first part that we did in the first four months, knowing God. Shall be strong. That's growing in God, which was the middle part of the year that we've done, and now the back in the last four months, and do exploits. We go and do things because we know our God. We can because we know Him. We grow in Him. But it's not just that we would be strong and have everything just like this offering this morning. It's not that I would just acquire, acquire, acquire. But as we grow in God, as we know God, we go and do mighty things. We do exploits. We do things because of his kindness and his generosity. And so for the last four months, we've been focusing on doing exploits, going and loving people and doing amazing things. And that will obviously carry on. That's the mission of the church is to go, And preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. It's an amazing opportunity that he's given us to participate with him. So I want to uh, just focus one more time, again, on the going with God and doing mighty exploits. And loving people with our lives. And not just our lives, but our words, our deeds, our actions. Loving people in a way that they can feel love. My wife and I had the opportunity this week to drive up to Chicago for a couple of days. It was Grandparents' Day, and our kids' school, and so I got to play grand, Grandpa publicly, and, and Randy got to play. Uh, she's Grandy, by the way. Yeah, she's Grandy, so she got to go Grandy, and it's so fun. You know, we walk into our our, our my our oldest son's house, and we got three little guys, six, four, and two, or thereabouts, and uh, you know, I'm I'm standing there and zoom, zoom, and they're all going for Grandy, and I'm like, hey, what about me? I drove, I, and they all want to see Grandy, and I don't even mention it because it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I don't understand that grandma thing, but man, they, they love their Grandy. But you know those kids, they don't want to hug a picture. They don't want to hug a concept. They want to hug grandma, And that's what people in the world are looking for. They don't want just to hug a Bible that they can't understand or can't read. They don't want to just hug a concept, but they want to hug a human being. They can touch and feel and hear and sense. And that's the beauty of what we have in taking the gospel is not just giving them concepts or a scripture, but they can actually hug a person and feel the love of God through you and me. What a beautiful, amazing privilege. We love it. This last week, I was thinking, and and this will touch some, actually probably many, if not most people in this this, uh, gathering of people. My dad passed away three and a half years ago. My mom passed maybe nine, ten years ago. But my dad passed three and a half years ago, and holidays are coming. And when you think of holidays, you know, you're thinking Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything, and I I don't know about you, I'm I'm a little nostalgic. Uh, My wife will tell you I'm probably more nostalgic in, in many ways than what she is, and so I, I had a great upbringing. I had great parents. They were really dysfunctional. Um, and the good thing is they were able to pass that along. <laughs> you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So I was thinking about my dad this week, and like I said, three and a half years ago, he passed and went on to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, you just, you just, you remember the little subtle things. My, my kids, my children, 34, 31, and, and 25, twins. My, my kids, they... it it hurts so much. They say, dad, don't be grandpa. My dad. And it's never a compliment. You know, you're doing something that reminds them of grandpa, whether you smell funny, act funny, do funny. It's like, don't be grandpa. Don't. And my dad was really quirky. And if he were still here, he would be more quirky. So I was thinking about him, and, and I've said it a couple of times, and forgive me if, you, if you've heard it before, but I, did have a, I had a really funny upbringing. I was raised by my dad and my stepmom. And uh, my, my, we, we, my dad was in the military, and then when he got out of that, we, he was in the business world, and he was very successful, and every time he got promoted, we had to move to a new city, and so we did so. And so we were always, you know, bounced around and everything. And it was just my sister and I. And I, I don't know what your upbringing was like, but mine was just unique. And, I, and again, I was thinking about this morning, my, my mom, and you cannot use this, okay? This is my stepmom, but my, you cannot use this. But my, my mom never called me Thomas or, unless I was in trouble, Thomas or Tom. I was always Tommy. You know, and it's just kind of one of those things, and you know, it just, it just rings in my ears. And you know, every once in a while you'll hear somebody say Tommy, and I'm thinking, yeah, Mommy? But my dad never called me Thomas. My dad never called me Tom. He never called me Tommy. He, my dad always called my sister and I nicknames. Always. Always. We, I, I don't know that I ever heard Tom, Tommy, or Thomas. Ever. Unless I was really, 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 really in trouble. And my sister, I'm not going to go into it because I've, I've mentioned, she, my sister had kind of, a, has, kind of had a troubled upbringing. And, and just, yeah. And so my dad gave her nicknames that were not kind. They were descriptive of her from his perspective. Okay, I'll just give you one. And, and it's so bad, but it will just give you an idea of what it was like in my family growing up. I mean, I'm not gonna tell the story, I'll just tell it quick. One of my sister's main nicknames was 99. And so my father would call my sister, 99 dinner, 99, why didn't you clean your room? 99, nine, you know, that was just her nickname. 99, what the heck is that? Well, there was a commercial years and years ago for a certain headache, for Excedrin, I think. And you had headache number seven that was a bad headache, headache number 19 that was worse, headache number 42. But the worst headache was 99, you needed Excedrin extra strength. It's a true story. And that was kind of the, the, the upbringing that I had. And my, my father, I had, we all, and my sister and I had multiple nicknames. They, we they had their favorites, but one of the ones, my, my main one was a beautiful one. It, I I always felt so encouraged. My dad would call him, Hey, hey Wart. Wart! Wart, come on over! And you remember, if, if the um, uh, the movie Sword in the Stone, I think I think the the one kid was called Wart. You know, before he pulled the sword out, and and it was I think it was because he was short. the, the in the Movie the sword in the stone. He got the nickname Wart. Not, not me. Um, I got the nickname Wart because I worried. Worry Wart. And I, my, as I said, my mom did, we moved all the time. We were always in a new new city, a new town. And, and I grew up with just kind of, I was really messy on the inside. Lots of insecurities and fears, mostly fears. Well, insecurities birthed out of fears. Yeah, we won't get technical. And your counselor, talk to me later. I want to get it right. But growing up, that was my main nickname. My dad—I almost never heard him call me Tom. It was Wart. And we, every, he and I, my sister and mom, they all knew what that meant. Tom, who was riddled with insecurities, riddled with fears, little Mister Warrior, I was gonna—my parents were gonna die. I mean, I had a really positive outlook on life. They're gonna get in a car wreck. I'm gonna be abandoned, orphaned, be part of Tony's ministry. Uh, that's just what I just assumed. Bad things are going to happen to me. And I grew up with this negative, incredibly overwhelmingly negative perspective on life. Good things are going to happen to you. Bad things are going to happen to me. I was really a fun kid to be around. And it was so pronounced, that was my nickname, was Wart, because I worried about everything. And the good news is, then I got saved. And my... Dad changed my name and put it back the way it should be. Thomas Doubter. No. <laughs> Sorry, that's not even on my notes. That was just free. I didn't even think about that till just then. Isn't that nice? But I was birthed into the kingdom in the 70s, and I just, I was one of those annoying Christians. I, uh, I became a Christian, I was born again. And I knew everything. I knew nothing. And I was so excited. Just Jesus loved me so much. I was so excited to be forgiven. I was such a mess. I was 18, just out of high school. And I just knew somebody loves me. And somebody accepts me just the way I am. And God just began transforming me on the inside. To think different. To act different. To believe different. To understand the scriptures are for me. And what the Bible says to me, is personal for me. And I can take hold of it and mix it with faith that I don't have to be wart anymore. I don't have to be a natural worrier about anything. In fact, worrying is not a gift that God would bestow on anybody. But he does bestow on his sons and daughters blessings. His character attributes, he puts on us that I'm not saddled with yesteryear, I'm not saddled with what my parents or grandparents or school put on me. But I can be the way I was truly created to be. This morning I want to I talk about what happens on the inside of our brains, what happens between our ears. And the good thing is this, and, I, and I'll just say this, I am so thankful that on the overhead every Sunday, they they don't put up what I've been thinking and saying on the inside of my head all week long. Aren't you glad that nobody sees what I was really thinking? You know, the, the, the person walked in, and I'm like, wow, what happened to you? Hey, how you doing? On the inside, I'm like, whoa, what happened? Tough week. There's this thing on the inside of our brain, just 24 seven. It's always going, always thinking. But nobody hears what's, or sees what's actually happening here for the most part. But this, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, nonstop, this conversation on the inside of me, and it's not multiple people, it's just me. That's a, it's a whole different issue. i not make fun of that, but it's just just me. Conversation's going. And what happens here dictates how I live. This, what happens here, dictates how I behave how I love people around me, how I give to people, how I serve people, how, how I interact with people all around me, what happens right here in my head, what I really think about myself, what I really think about my Father in heaven. It dictates everything I do, what happens between these two amazing long years. In Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39, Jesus is asked a question. And he responds. And this religious man said, hey, what's, what's really important? What's the biggest commandments in the Bible? And Jesus responds to him in kindness and actually answers his question without a question. In Matthew 22, the scripture says this. You'll see it up on the overhead here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law, in the Bible? And Jesus replied, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Verse 39, the second one. And the second is like it. Different, but similar. Love your neighbor. Great. Love your neighbor. But he doesn't put a period there. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love would love yourself and think about yourself, love them. That's, that's wonderful, right? But what happens if I have a problem loving me? And our country is overwhelmed. Counseling classes, counselor, counselors. It's a multi-gajillion dollar business in this country because people don't love themselves very well because they don't think about and of themselves very well. Maybe they were raised in a, a family where they were called Wart or 99 or something equally or worse, ugly. And they were walking around with all this garbage in our head thinking, well, I was, Paul, you deserve to be blessed because you're an amazing guy. Who, why wouldn't God bless you? But me, I have all these issues. I have all these problems. Well, of course God would bless Mark. Look at him. He's amazing. He's got a beautiful wife. God's going to bless him. But me, I know me. I know what really goes on between these ears. And I struggle with me. I, I, I know me. But the problem is this. God says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Well, what if I'm not doing the very good of loving myself? It's hard to export what I'm not having on the inside. Right. All I'm going to export is what I'm really thinking about myself. And if I'm not thinking rightly about myself, I am exporting junk. And I think maybe, and part of this go is this. Lord, help me to see me like you see me. We heard about it in the prophetic words this morning. "Lord, help me, see me. L- Lucy came up this morning, and I don't remember her first words was, "Rise my lovely one," or you know whatever it was. It was powerful and amazing. And some of us struggle to think that the Lord would actually look at me like that, because I, I don't feel myself very lovely. I feel really broken. I feel really damaged. I feel really mm, messy because I lived a messy life. I've been divorced. I have been in bankruptcy. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We've got all these issues, all these insecurities, all these fears. And the Lord says, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor like you love yourself what if I'm not doing a very good job with myself? It's hard to do great exploits for God and give away love if I can't receive love, if I don't understand his love for me, how he really looks at me, damaged me, little old me. It's really quiet. Loving your neighbor as yourself, it presupposes that I love myself well. That we live, that we love ourselves really well. It's difficult to love my neighbor if I struggle loving myself. This morning, I just just want to give out a couple of keys. Mindset changes. and And I will just, I'll be really honest with you. I so struggled with how I viewed myself. And it's been, I would say for me, a lifelong challenge that I would view myself the way my Father in heaven says he views me. I struggle and have struggled at times that he would really Believe for me what he really says about me. Again, no problem There's about John Block or Audrey or Rich. No problem. It's about Robin. They're lovely, amazing people. The problem is I know me, and I know what I'm really thinking. I know what I'm really feeling. It's such a challenge for so many people. And I will say this, that if my wife were sitting here, she, like I said, she's back with the kids this morning. She would tell you, this is... For the 39 years that we've been married, this has been one of the biggest challenges in our marriage because my wife was raised in a really healthy environment, really stable family. She knew, she, she was just, it was just she, I love my in-laws. They've gone on to be with the Lord. Amazing. And so it's not nearly as big a challenge for her as it's been for me over many years. But all I can say is this, God has changed me so much. He's changed me so much from the way I was. John Block knew me 39 years ago. We worked together for a few years, right next to each other, like as close as. Close as a spitball. Close as a spit. Ooh, sorry, there's a bad memory. <laughs> I worked right next to John Block for years. Oh, yeah. John was a Christian, and I was in process. And John knows what I was like. Jim Kopp knows we were friends way, 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 way back when, 39, 40 years ago. Rich Suntag, he's a horrible baseball player. Um, I loved hit, hitting against him. He just lofted that ball, crush. But there's people in your life who knew what you were like. And sometimes when people meet you, they think, "Man, you're this. Your marriage looks great. Your relationships look great. Or you seem to have it all together." You should have seen me then. And other people who are like, man, you're such a mess. You should have seen me then. <laughs> this is the new and approved. This is all gussied up. This has got a shine on it. How am I doing in here, in reality? What am I really thinking about myself? What am I saying about myself, to myself, Proverbs three seven King James Version says this. Proverbs 23.7 For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Speaking of myself. As I think, so I am. If I think I don't deserve blessing, if I think I don't deserve love, if I, don't, if I think I don't deserve good things, guess what? It's almost impossible for me to receive it. That's why the Holy Spirit wants to come and re-educate and Reconfigure my understanding so I understand it's nothing about what I do, it's nothing about performance. He just simply loves me Amen. just the way I am, not the cleaned up version of Tom, the way I am with all my issues, all my attitudes. He loves me. There was a, a wonderful pastor years ago. Many people will in this room, the older folks, will remember this guy's name, Jack Hayford wonderful pastor, author, and he, he had a quote, and he said this, how would I treat a friend, how would I treat a friend who lied to you as often as your fears do? I don't know if we can get that up on there. How would I treat a friend who lied to you as often as your fears do? It's what's going on in here. Why would I want to? Why would I love myself? If my fears are dictating everything I think about myself, all my insecurities, why would I love myself? I wouldn't have a friend like that. It's our inner speak is so important. Our inner conversation is so important, especially if we're called to love the world. If I'm struggling still with myself. I looked it up on, I Google, so it's got to be true. Inner speak, and it, it, it threw up this phrase, mental dialogue, mental conversation. And the definition went like this Inner speak, mental dialogue, an internal monologue, conversation, ongoing, also called self talk or inner speech, is a person's inner voice, which provides a running verbal monologue of thoughts while they're conscious. It is usually tied to a person's sense of self. And this country is overwhelmed with counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, self-help books. Overwhelming, huge industry. Because people struggle with this, what I really think about myself. Really come to peace with who I am. And there's there's phrases like, oh, this person, they really seem confident. They really seem comfortable in their own skin. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody know people like that? And they're not just the salesmen of life, saleswomen of life. But when you get past all the, the morass, all the external peripheral things and you sit down with somebody and you just find they're really comfortable in their own skin. I, I, my wife, and I, Kim Josar, is one of our friends and we, we, we love her. And it's just, you know, I know she has her own things. She has her own deal because we all have our own deal. But you just meet people who are just comfortable in their own skin. They're just confident in who they are in Christ. I don't know all of her story. I don't know all of John Block's story. I don't know all of Mike Smith's story. But just meet people who are, are comfortable in their own skin. And how, how did they get there? And I want to touch on that this morning. It's internal discussions that we all have about ourselves. Here's a, a simple question. If, you, if you're comfortable doing this, just close your eyes for just a second. I'm not going to come and hit you. Maybe somebody will give you 20 bucks. You won't know who. In the morning when you wake up. In the morning, first woke up. And you step into the bathroom in your house and you look into the mirror. Eyes still closed. You're not looking at what anybody else looks like. You step in the bathroom, look in the mirror. What goes through your mind typically in the morning? We're not allowed to swear at church. (laughs) Not allowed. What do you really see? You can open your eyes again. For many of us, say you're over 40, over 50, over 60, over 70. It's real easy to get taken by all the things that are not. It's real easy. Wow, ooh, ooh. Too many bread rolls. Moment on on the lips, forever on the hips. Uh, It's a Weight Watcher slogan, I heard it. Yeah, you write that down. Give it to Mrs. Weight Watcher, whatever her name is. Typically our eyes are drawn to all those things, the imperfections, the unlovelies. And most people don't walk in front of the mirror, whoa, hey, yeah, photo. (laughs) Most of us are like, oh, ooh, diet time. Or how much does that wrinkle thing, those creams, do they really work? What would happen if I had that hair back? Ooh, I need to dye some of that. It's bleeding through. What do we really think? Most people, honestly, most people, when they walk into the mirror in the morning, they don't go, whoa, stunner. (laughs) Stunner, stun, stunner. Hey, look. (laughs) Don't, you're going to mess it up. That's not most of us. But guess what happens as soon as you open your eyes while you're still in your bed? Your father in heaven says, that's my child. Perfect and lovely and amazing. I love just the way they are. I love them. The hair, the shine, those wrinkles, those age things. There's a reason why they're there. I've given you the opportunity for life. You're still breathing. Yeah, you got some smile lines. We'll call them that. Some of us, he just says, Oh, my son, you're well rounded. But we have a dad in heaven who looks at you zero, zero focus on imperfections because it's 100% love and acceptance towards you just the way you are. What would happen if I began living life like that? Most of us, most people I find in life, most people, they really don't struggle with pride and arrogance. Most don't. We've all, we all know those one or two people who do. Nobody here. Most people don't struggle with arrogance. It's a really bad self-speak is their problem. They don't believe what our Father in Heaven says or what the Bible says about them. In the Bible, I'm just going to read one quick scripture. Two, one quick quick scripture. Numbers 13. It's a beautiful, horrific account of what happens when we. Don't see or say what God sees and says. And Numbers 13 is the story of Moses, and they've come out of Egypt, and they're ready to cross into the Promised Land. It's great, and many of us know uh, the story. And twelve spies are going to go out. Numbers 13:27. The Bible says this: They gave Moses this account. The spies have come back now. They've gone into the Promised Land and come back. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does, it does flow with milk and honey. That was the, that was the hope. That was the promise. And they're verifying the veracity of it. Here is its fruit. They brought back massive grapes and stuff. But the people who live there are powerful, the people in the promised land. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak. Those are giants there. Verse 30. Then Caleb, one of the 12 spies, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, because there's 12 of them, just one or two positive people, two. But the men who had gone up with Caleb said, we cannot attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the people The nation, the Israelites, a bad report about the land they had explored, the promised land. They said, the 10 bad spies, the doubters, the negative, the cynics, the sarcastic people. The 10 said, the land we explored devours, consumes, eats those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, giants. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. And here's the 10 spies report. This is why they saw we can't do it. It's too big. The giants are too much. And this is the reason why. Inner speak happening right here. We, 10 spies, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Not in their eyes, in our own eyes. Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. It's going to take giant killers. We're grasshoppers. That's how we view ourselves. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And guess what? Surprise, surprise. And we look the same to them. We can't do it. And two million people died because people had a 10, had a really bad understanding of who they were and what they were. We're little, we're tiny. They're huge, they're great. They'll kill us. And two million people died because of poor understanding of who they were. Because these are God's kids and they've been promised the promised land is for years. Go take it, it's yours. But ten people said, I'm a mess. How can I beat somebody big like that? And they did surely die. And they died by their own words. For many of us. For many people, for me, you possibly. When I look at my bank account, when I look at my savings account, when I consider my future, when I, after I go talk to my doctor, whether I'm in the wilderness or in harsh times, when I look at certain family members, when I look at my age, my weight, my circumstance, how many of us come to the conclusion is this I don't care what that looks like, I'm blessed. I don't care how old I am, I'm blessed. I don't care how much money I have in my account, I'm blessed. I don't care where my kids are right now. I believe the promises of God are yes and amen for my kids. And they are coming. They're coming. How many people look into the mirror of our soul and go, I've made such a mess as a parent. I failed as a dad. I failed as a mom. No wonder my kids are where they're at. And we simply agree with the enemy who condemns convicts, and sends us to the court of justice. My kids are a mess because of my bad choices. My kids are a mess because I've messed up. My money's not going to make it. I don't know how we're going to do it. My house is, my car, my hair. So many young people, I laugh at this because I was the same way. But now I don't have to worry about some of this. Have you ever noticed, this is just a a male phenomenon happening right here, a male understanding, okay, as I listen to women speak, having nothing to do with a beautiful lady named Randy. Just a simple observation, not a gross generalization, just an observation. How many women do I know who have brown hair want red hair? If they have red hair, they want blonde hair. If they have straight hair, they want curly hair. If they have curly hair, they want straight hair. Me, I just like some shame off you. So many people so discontent with what they have. I wish I weighed this. I wish I looked like this. And God's made you fearfully and wonderfully. Designed by heaven. Some sleek models, Some Cadillacs. So many people just I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, my hair is short, it's too curly, my face, look at all these things. Rather, I look at my, my father and I hear what he says. He says, son, Tom, Proverbs 18:21. the Bible says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. What I say about myself, it has an effect. It's hard to love somebody else when I'm saying what I am about myself. If I want to start seeing people saved, maybe I need to have some more internal salvation in my mind. Agreeing with the word of God. Identify the lie and replace it with the truth. My wife and I were looking at Facebook. I try not to. She forces me. (laughs) And we're just reading a a posting by a a lovely woman from this church. And she she had identified a, a lie in her life. Why, why am I feeling so negative, bad, 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 bad? And she went back and identified a lie that she'd believed in the beginning of the morning. It was like, identify the lie and replace it with the truth. I'd love to show you a, a video this morning. It's only two minutes long. Can you take a video that's two minutes long? And here's the thought. I love sports, so please forgive me. It's kind of a sporting thing. It's okay. If you don't like sports, it's okay. Jesus still loves you. In 1980, in the Olympics, in Lake Placid. Yeah. yeah, baby. Big moment, big moment. He had a bunch of college kids, and they, they were a conglomeration from all over the country. They hadn't played together very long, and they were just a disaster. And they were coming up against the most powerful team in the world, the Russians. It was a USSR at that time. And the Russians dominated professional hockey players in North America, and these are just a bunch of college kids thrown together. And three days before the Olympics began, the Russians just smoked the Americans 10 to 3, which is like losing a football game 100 to 3. Just smoked them, destroyed them. And the Americans had a chance, a bunch of college kids against these old 30, 35-year-old guys, grizzled veterans, toothless, hockey, beautiful. And it was a guy, the coach of the Americans was uh, uh, a guy from Minnesota named Herb Brooks. He was their coach, and we're going to watch a video played by uh, Kurt Russell, and it was the coach coming into a locker room, and again, the Americans just, just been destroyed by the Russians, and they did not believe in themselves. We're going to get killed. How bad? Can we keep it under 10 this time? The only problem is this coach actually believed these kids could do something. The miracle. It's impossible. It'd be be like Fort Zumwalt going up and and beating the Patriots. Please, Jesus. (laughs) I wish Heather was here to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, anybody to beat them 100 to nothing. Oh, we hate the Patriots. It's okay. But Fort Zumalt, North Southwest, there's no chance they're going to beat the New England Patriots. It just can't happen. That was kind of the equivalent of the U.S. college kids going up against these Russians. And the kids were, the game hadn't even started yet, and the kids are in the locker room, morose, spent. We're going to get killed out there. It's on national TV. We're going to get wiped out. But there was one person in the room who actually believed they could win. Could we hit it, please? Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. one game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can't. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. Their time is done. It's over. We had to stop it there. It went on for another 20 minutes. He got a little salty. It's a hockey locker room. That night, these college kids, this group of nobodies, beat the best hockey team in the world 4-3. to three. Mike Yeruzione scored the fourth goal. It was, it was called the miracle on ice. It was impossible. Ford Zumwalt just beat the New England Patriots for the Super Bowl. It can't happen. It happened. I wish I had coach Herb Brooks in my room every morning as I looked into the mirror. Not this day. Tom, you're gifted. You're anointed. You're forgiven. You've been set free great opportunity. You have one life, this life. How are you going to spend it? Are you going to believe the lies of what your family, friends, the world, yourself believe and say about yourself? Are you going to believe what God says about you? You have one day, one opportunity to make a difference. The world is dying for you to believe what God says about you. So you can give away the belief that you have that you could actually believe for someone else. And tell them, God cares. You should have seen me before. You'd be amazed what God has done in my life. There's a beautiful story. I'm not going to go into it this morning. Many of you will know it. It's an account of a woman who had been uh, bleeding. She had an an issue, a, 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 um, a, a horrific illness, where she was bleeding externally for 12 years says so She spent everything she could for the doctors and she only got worse. But she heard about this man named Jesus. And it says in the scripture she said to herself in herself, her internal speak, she said to herself, if I only touch the hem of his garment, if I only do this, I'll be healed. She said faith, and believing for herself. If I do this, what would God do? I believe, I've touched him, I'm going to be healed. She went up with audacity, with courage, with horrific consequences if, if she got found out. We won't go into all the religious laws of the day, but she can't do what she was about to do. But she simply believed God could do something for her. For her. After 12 long years of suffering. What about your situation? What about your child? What about your finances? What about your health? Could God do something with you? He's simply looking for an audacious group of people who will simply say, I believe a miracle can happen in my life. I'm not going to be subject to doubt and unbelief any longer. Why not me? Why not now? Why not in my life? Why not my kids turned around? Why not my health turned around? Why not this day? I'm going to believe what my father says about me. I'm blessed. I'm overwhelmingly loved. I'm the apple of his eye. I am more than a conqueror, the Bible says. Not just a conqueror, I'm more than that. That's a whole message in and of itself. Could we all stand up, please? Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you have said about me. That the final verdict wasn't what my father called me. The final verdict wasn't what my friends said about me. The final verdict isn't what I say about me. The final verdict and the truth is what you say, Heavenly Father. And Father, in spite of my feelings, in spite of my bank account, in spite of my health, in spite of my doctor's reports, in spite of what my kids are going to say at Thanksgiving, in spite of all the things... Lord, I simply want to step back into your arms. The simplicity of devotion of love. To simply believe what you say is true in spite of what I'm feeling. To simply say yes to what you say in spite of what I'm thinking. Holy Spirit, I I give you full reign to work in my mind right now. To work in my heart to change me. I don't want to go to my grave negative. I don't want to go to my grave as Miss Cynic. Or Debbie Downer. That's not my lot in life. That's not why you called me for purpose. I'm, I don't want to be one of the 10 spies. So I'm a grasshopper in my own eyes. Of course I'm going to lose to them. But Father is a son, is a daughter of the Most High. A royal priesthood called by name, chosen by name, by the King of Kings to make a difference. To say yes to what you say. Father, I'm going to start embracing your word and believing the truth of what you say. I'm going to commit it to memory. I'm going to say it again. If I've done this a thousand times, here's a thousand and one, God. A thousand and one. If it's failed all these times, I will yet touch the hem of your garment and believe that my life can change and will change because of your power, not mine. But I can have the courage to say yes and believe again. So Holy Spirit, do an amazing work Continue to do an amazing work in us, in me, in Bob, in Tony, in Sheila, in Audrey, in Roberta, and Melissa, and Brian, and Dave. Here I am, Lord. Help me. I I let go of that old way of thinking one more time, and I'm going to press in to touch the hem of your garment to believe what you say, to say yes to you. Help me, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I'm a a believer. That's what the Bible calls me, I'm a believer. My disposition is now to believe what you say. So thank you for changing me, thank you for hope, thank you for a fresh start. Holy Spirit, I'm here for a fresh start today that I can love my neighbor as myself because I'm changing now and continue the process in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you prayed the prayer to get to know him today for the first time, tell somebody before you go. If you struggle with all this stuff on the inside, I can help you. I can help you. Come see me. I have a whole bunch of what the Bible says about you. I'd love to give it to you. Just declarations over yourself. If you want somebody to pray for you, we have a prayer team. And again, here's the thing. It's not to say, oh, I have all these problems. Help me. How, this is your prayer in coming forward. I want to stand for the truth of words, God's word in my life. I don't want to regurgitate the same problems that are there yesterday. Pray for me. How do I go forward and change? Does that make sense? So have somebody come on up. Let somebody pray with you and stand with you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's message of the week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.